Welcome to the all-new Changing Worldviews podcast with Sharon Hughes, broadcast journalism you can trust to bring you the truth regarding the issues of our day and the worldviews behind them, politically, culturally, and religiously. For such a time as this. Freeing the minds of the brainwashed masses. Now, here's Sharon. Today... This wall of wind and rain is only getting worse. The quicker we get out of here, the better. All-out war with North Korea. Kim Jong-un has been undergoing a pattern of demonstrating enhanced capabilities. What they can do is hit us in some of our most vulnerable spots, and they are very aware of the effects of an EMP and the vulnerability of our electrical grid and other critical infrastructures that depend entirely on the grid as well as all electronic components. So what can we do when nature strikes? What can we do to prepare if North Korea sets off a nuclear bomb? How can we live in peace when there's so much unrest in the world? Today, it seems everywhere we look, we are faced with crisis after crisis after crisis, whether natural crisis, national crisis, international crisis. So with September being National Preparedness Month, we're going to address these very real issues. And I've got some great guests. Number one, Michael Maloof, author of a book on the very real danger of an EMP strike, and also John Whitehead of the Rutherford Institute. When we take a look at things such as the riots that we're seeing with when crisis comes, unrest increases natural and national threats. They are real. And I'm just going to say up front here, the Bible addresses this issue. In Proverbs chapter 27, it says a prudent person foresees danger and takes precautions, but the simpleton goes blindly on and suffers the consequences. And here's some information from a short video that we found on the bare essentials that are needed in order to prepare, either for a hurricane or an earthquake, a flood. Good basic information. So for you newcomers and those of us that just need a refresher course, here's some tips on how to prepare for a hurricane. First off, it's important not to panic. The storm is still days away and its path is far from certain. With that being said, now is the time to prepare. First, you're going to want to get lots of water. The National Weather Service recommends having at least one gallon of water per person and animal per day for at least three days. Second, you'll need a three-day supply of non-perishable food. Third, a battery-powered radio. Just in case the lights go out, you'll still need a way to hear about weather-related alerts. In that same vein, you're going to need a flashlight and, of course, extra batteries. It's also a good idea to have a first aid kit and, of course, a manual can opener. You'd hate to be relying on an electric one just in case the lights went out. Many recommend having a solar-powered charger for your cell phones. Be sure you also have plenty of prescription medications, cash and change, and important documents, including insurance information. For Fido and Fidet, you're going to need pet food, and lots of it. They'll be asking. Be sure to do your laundry in the days leading up to the storm. Ain't nobody want to be trapped with a smelly person during a hurricane. Be sure to fill up your cars with gas as well. And if you have a gas grill, be sure you have a full propane tank for it. So there you have it, some basic tips on how to be prepared during a hurricane. 
remember, don't panic, but be prepared. Stay with us. Global events. Fulfilling biblical prophecy. Special investigative reports. Unafraid to explore the challenging issues facing humanity. This month's special offer is the book, How to Overcome the Most Frightening Issues You Will Face This Century. This book has 20 experts in fields of science, politics, warfare, finance, ethics, theology, and much more who offer experienced advice. And you can get your copy just by sending your check for $25 to Changing Worldviews, P.O. Box 995, Cedar Ridge, California, 95924. Again, P.O. Box 995, Cedar Ridge, California, 95924. How to Overcome the Most Frightening Issues You Will Face This Century. And as a bonus, a second book, The ABCs of Globalism by author Deborah Ray. I'd love to get these two books in your hands. Be prepared. After a devastating storm that brings down trees and homes, so many families have nowhere to turn. That's why Samaritan's Purse responds immediately after hurricanes, tornadoes, floods, and fires all across the country. Our volunteer teams bring tools and compassion to homeowners who have lost not only possessions, but more importantly, hope. You can help. Join with Samaritan's Purse. Log on to SamaritansPurse.org. Thanks for staying with me, everyone. Okay, what if you heard this sound and it wasn't prefaced by, this is just a test? Okay, here's a clip from the Mike Huckabee show while he had his show on Fox News before giving that up to run for president. And he's interviewing Frank Gaffney, president for the Center for Security Policy. Let's play that as he talks about the seriousness of an EMP attack. Imagine for a moment that the country lost all power, no electricity, no communication, no food, no medical supplies, no transportation. I know this may seem like some over-the-top doomsday scenario, but there is one major threat that could very easily cause this. It's called an electromagnetic pulse, or EMP, and the simplest definition is a burst of gamma rays. It may sound like that is simple enough, but it could virtually take us back to the Stone Age in minutes. Frank, delighted to have you here, and I want to just jump right into the issue of the threat of an EMP. We don't ever hear about this. People aren't talking about it. Why aren't we talking about what could be the single biggest threat to the entire nation? It's a good question, and I appreciate you trying to help us get to the point where we are talking about it, uh, Governor. This is, in fact, I think the single greatest threat we face. Uh, your previous uh, panel was discussing the uh, problem of uh, computer attacks. They could be directed at our grid as well. But just to stay with the electromagnetic pulse family uh, that you've uh, properly called attention to here, we're, I think, most of us oblivious to just how fragile our electric grid is. And when you 
introduced this idea that possibly even a single nuclear weapon detonated, as you've shown on your graphics, high in space over this country could crater our electric grid. It's something that I think even the people who are knowledgeable about it would prefer not to think about. That certainly seems to be true of the electric utilities. If there was an EMP, the practical impact on people's daily lives, what happens where they live? Well, if the grid is seriously disrupted, even for a relatively short period of time, let's say months, to say nothing of permanently destroyed, every aspect of our lives, from getting potable water, to food, to medications, to transportation, telecommunications, to finance, everything is basically down because all of the infrastructures that supply those things to us, upon which, let's face it, our lives critically depend, are likely to be very, very devastatingly affected as well. And it may well be that, as uh, Dr. William Graham, one of the country's eminent authorities on this phenomenon, has said, if it's off for a year, we will find it impossible to sustain the size of the population that we have today. Perhaps as many as 90% of us will be dead. And the trouble is, as one of my friends pointed out to me, if you happen to be in the 10% that make it, you're not going to like the company you're keeping either. So this is the sort of thing we've got to fix before it happens. And the good news is we can. We know how to do it. We just need to have the knowledge that it's a problem, widely understood, and the will to fix it. I know this is very serious information and kind of scary to hear about, but forewarned is forearmed, and that's the whole purpose of why we talk about these things. And to that end, I had the privilege of interviewing Michael Malouf earlier of what he suggests to do in very practical terms in regard to preparing for an EMP attack. Michael Malouf, he is a former senior security policy analyst in the office of the Secretary of Defense and has almost 30 years of federal service in the U.S. Defense Department as a specialized trainer for special forces in select countries of Central Asia and other places and the author of A Nation Forsaken EMP, The Escalating Threat of an American Catastrophe, to talk to us about this and Michael, I thank you so much for joining us here to inform our listeners about a threat that some are taking seriously, and I think too many are not taking seriously enough. Well, thanks for having me. I, I would agree with that. For those that are saying, you know, I, I've heard about what an EMP attack is, but mm-hmm. I don't quite understand the uh, significance of the danger that that imposes. So could you just give us a basic knowledge of what that is and why we should be concerned? Sure. An EMP is an electromagnetic pulse, and this is a high-energy burst of electromagnetic energy, and it, it's so supercharged and comes at such a velocity uh, that it can absolutely knock out and fry uh, our unguarded electronics. There's natural and man-made forms of EMP. Natural, of course, would be from solar flares. And NASA is saying that we're entering into the uh, solar storm maximum in which uh, the sun is peaking at its highest intensity. And if we had a direct hit, it could be uh, rather catastrophic. The second form of man-made is from a high-altitude nuclear explosion. 
and that's where the whole issue of uh, North Korea threatened us with a preemptive nuclear strike. Right. And, and they know they can't knock out the entire U.S., but what they can do is hit us in some of our most vulnerable spots, and they are very aware of the effects of an EMP right. and, and the vulnerability of our uh, electrical grid and other critical infrastructures that depend entirely on the grid as well as all electronic components and also on automated control systems that uh, are governed by uh, electricity. And if they know about the vulnerabilities of our electrical grid, and that is the thing that I think could become our Achilles heel, even though it's just the basis for our industrial might today. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about computers. We're talking about electricity. We're talking about everything <laughs> that really causes us to function today. Yeah, the critical infrastructures would include the grid, your telecommunications, your energy delivery, such as uh, oil and gas pipelines, your, your food and, and water delivery, your emergency services, your space systems, and your, your financial systems. Uh, all of these would be uh, totally compromised and affected and possibly destroyed if uh, an EMP was uh, successful. And the one thing that I'm really concerned about is the fact that they, they know about the eastern grid. Eastern grid, we have three grids in the United States, eastern, western, and uh, the Texas grid. The eastern grid services some 70% of the U.S. population. And if they were to target that, it could dramatically affect a tremendous number of urban centers. And I've I've talked to other experts in the EMP field, and they just tell me that if we had a, an EMP uh, catastrophic event, it probably would uh, basically wipe out our cities. Back to North Korea, what they've just discovered recently is the fact that North Korea has its own nuclear enrichment program. We had assessed that they only were using plutonium, but now we've discovered that they have a nuclear enrichment program comparable to that of, well, even more advanced than what Iran has right now. They are doing weapons-grade uranium enrichment in North Korea and can apply that to uh, making more nuclear weapons. And we also assess that North Korea has from 8 to 12 nuclear weapons and stockpile. So Iran, on, on the other hand, is, is not that far along, and their missiles are not intercontinental. But they do, they have been launching some satellites. And again, in the from the defense perspective, whenever you launch a satellite, that is tantamount to being able to orbit, uh, potentially orbit a nuclear weapon and be able to bring it down on command. But these countries, like Iran and what have you, don't really need an intercontinental capability. We know that Iran is capable of launching a missile off of the deck of a ship. And that could be a freighter, it could be a, a, a container ship that trolls along the east-west coast, along in the Gulf, and there's such heavy commercial traffic, it would be very difficult to pinpoint what ship was responsible for launching such a, a missile to do a high-altitude explosion. Or you just drift a ship into, uh, into a harbor on the east or west coast or in the Gulf, and just detonate it. And that's also a possibility, too. Well, we know that the United Nations General Assembly signed off on a sweeping first-of-its-kind treaty to regulate the international arms trade. And evidently, the Obama administration supported the final treaty draft. The General mm-hmm. Assembly vote was 154 to 3 with 23 abstentions and three against it, which are, guess what, no surprise, Iran, Syria, mm-hmm and North Korea. So American gun rights activists are concerned about this treaty, saying that it's riddled with loopholes and is unworkable in part because it includes small arms and light weapons as part of this treaty. So, you know, taking a little shift here from the North Korean threat to (laughs) what so many Americans, I mean, there have never been so many guns bought and ammunition bought 
I think except maybe during the Revolutionary War here in America. Any thoughts on this? Do you think this is hyperventilating on issues that don't matter, or do you think there's concerns in terms of individuals being able to protect themselves? I think we should watch it very carefully. I think the treaty was designed for exports only, but then you get that slippery slope. Once you've given them the basis, the entree, they can always amend things, and of course it would have to come back for uh, U.S. Senate ratification, which I doubt will happen. I don't. I doubt the seriously that the Senate will ever ratify that treaty. But I think, on the other hand, I too carry firearms and I have them at home, and, and any more ammunition I can get, I, I will certainly try. I know we're going to need guns and ammunition if there's an EMP event that knocks everything out and we need, you know, domestically, and we've and people have got to protect their homes, what they do have from uh, marauders and people who are, will try to break in and, and grab what you have. And, you know, even though we don't have an EMP event, we still see people breaking in the houses and, and, and roaming gangs. You're seeing roaming gangs, for example. This can happen anywhere at any time, but, but if you have a catastrophic event where emergency services are unable to respond, and that would be the case in an EMP, I think because of the widespread geographical area it wouldn't cover and the fact that their own communications would possibly be knocked out, then everyone's on their own at that point. We've got to go into a break, so stay with me. There's war, disease, and poverty, and our calling as Samaritan's Purse is to move towards it and to touch it and to minister to people that are in their greatest time of need. We're providing the things that are most important to these people, shelter, water, hygiene, sanitation. It's imperative. We go to the slums of the world, the poorest areas of the world, where kids have never had a gift in their life. We're so desperately short of supplies. We're so desperately short of people. Everything is overloaded. And that's why Samaritan's Persons come. The gospel is the power of God. Samaritan's Purse was here the day after the storm. Now we're here rebuilding. Preach it. Proclaim it. Shout it. You're actually rebuilding hope and love. I don't believe we ever back up. We don't surrender. The first time you see a heart stop and the first time you see a heart start again is just an amazing process. Jesus wants to take your life and use it for His glory. from Northern Illinois. I just started taking Alive Again about two and a half months ago, and I can't believe how much difference my joints feel. I feel actually more alive. I don't have pain in my joints. I have more energy. So thank you very much for those products. They are absolutely incredible, and I will be taking them for many, many, many more years. Just one ounce a day of superfruit, 75 plus nutrients in a base of 100% aloe vera. And if you go to Apex Health, A-P-E-X, health.life slash Sharon, you can order your first bottle or bottles at the special price. Call 833-334-5433. Again, 833-334-5433. Using the promo code Sharon Special. Here's more of Michael Maloof. This time he was sharing on WorldNet Daily Television the very practical things we need to do to prepare in case of an EMP attack. Individuals need to take the necessary action on their own for their family members. They need to have prepared the storage of food, extra food, extra water. This could be a, a tragedy over an extended period of time. You want to have things in the house that don't require electricity. Your phones and what have you are definitely going to get knocked out. Now you can put one into a, a protective Faraday cage 
and a portable radio. So keep that in a Faraday cage. A Faraday cage is a sealed metal container which creates a barrier against an EMP surge by forcing the electrical current around instead of through the structure. You don't want to be putting it in the Faraday cage after the event because its electronics will be knocked out. But you want to put a spare in there just in case the emergency, national emergency system is still functioning. It's a possibility it may not function. And certainly uh, you want to keep batteries alive in your cell phone because of all the information you have stored on it. Or you may want to try and make a call if the towers and what have you are still functioning. It's quite conceivable that all the cell towers won't be working. It would be probably less so with a fiber optic, but if there's any exposed electronics, all of it will be affected. You should have in the household a so-called go bag, as I call it in the book, where you have essentials that you're going to need for each member of the family to be prepared to leave in the event that it becomes untenable in your household, your personal items, including your medications. The thing with medications is pr it's probably pretty serious because as people get older, they need med medications. People can get maybe up to a month's worth of medication. You got to be sure that you have enough, that you try and save up enough medication. The ability to deliver medications and prescriptions will probably cease as well. It's a very serious thing and it, it needs to be dealt with directly and given the highest national priority. I just want to take a minute here to thank all of our listeners for not only tuning in, but for those that help keep our show on the air. Really appreciate all of your support to help Changing Worldviews get the truth out on these issues and also to reach more listeners through your generous contributions. In the meantime, our weekly movie pick and one that goes along with the whole idea of survival is one that's been around for a while. If you've seen it, you might want to see it again because it's talking about a meteor hitting the earth. And I don't know if you are aware, but scientists are saying that that's possibly going to happen in the year 2029. The movie is Deep Impact. Obviously, I don't endorse everything in the movie, but it does show some somewhat of what could happen should a major meteor hit the earth, all the more reason for us to be prepared for whatever kind of national or natural disaster happens. Here's part of the trailer. A few minutes ago, the United States ambassadors to every country in the world told the leaders of those nations what I'm about to tell you. Last summer, two comets were discovered that are on a collision course with Earth. The smaller comet will hit first. We now have the details. Creating a tidal wave over 3,000 feet high. The larger comet is the size of New York City, 500 billion tons. If it can't be stopped, all life on Earth will perish. So for the past eight months, the United States and Russia have been building the largest spaceship ever constructed, the Messiah. This is the crew that will stop the comets. We all hope for the best, but we've prepared for the worst. To ensure our way of life goes on, a network of immense caves has been constructed. We're going to hold a national lottery. We can put a million people in them for two years. It is our new Noah's Ark. No men and women over 50 will be included in the lottery. If the world does go on, it might not go on for everyone. Good luck to us all.
We have to go. We have one helicopter to hold seven people. It's a big one. It's coming up fast. You're going to die if you stay here. We need the arming coach for the last four nukes. So if you like movies, especially action movies, you might want to view this, but even more than watching that movie, you want to do whatever you can do to help your family to be prepared for whatever might happen, be it a natural or a national or an international disaster. And our whole point, of course, is not to engender fear because we really do believe that being prepared helps us not to be scared should anything happen because, you know, disaster. Disasters come, but we can be prepared should anything such as these things that we talked about on the show today and actually all month during National Preparedness Month occurs. Well, having said all of that, I want to leave us on a high note, and that is the greatest preparation any of us can make is to make sure that we are prepared to meet our maker. And it's no secret that we here on Changing Worldviews believe that not only can heaven be assured for us by receiving and following the Lord Jesus Christ, but also he promises to help us whatever we may experience or go through while still here on earth. And as our regular listeners know, I love to close out with a favorite song. And today's choice is one that I really love entitled Overcomer by Mandisa.
So until I see you next time, this is Sharon Hughes saying it like it is. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Changing Worldviews. You can follow Sharon on social media or listen to her on many online platforms. Just go to our website, changingworldviews.com, for all the links. And until next time, stay informed, stay alert, because we are indeed living in a changing world.